0: to left center, deep, God, Brewers lead it. And a swing and a miss, he struck him out. Down the line, and that's the ball game.
1: Hey, Brewers fans. Welcome to episode 18 of Brewers Unfiltered. We're coming to you right after the deadline. I know there's a lot to talk about. The haters gone. The, a lot of fans are upset that we haven't acquired a bat. So we're going to address all those and more. First, let me introduce you to my co-hosts, the legend himself, Tim Dillard, and MLB.com's Adam McAlvey. You'll notice that the introductions are a little less jovial, and that's because we're actually starting with some pretty tragic news. Very late last night, the Dodgers posted that one of the greatest broadcasters in the history of sports, not just baseball. In the history of sports, passed away Vin Scully. Uh, if you're a baseball fan, you likely have a connection to Vin in some way or another, whether you know it or not. And it was pretty shocking news for everyone, us included, right, guys?
2: Well, for sure. And you talk about the connection. I mean, if you're old enough to have been around in 86, Behind the Bag is probably the greatest call in broadcasting history because it's. The shock of that moment of the baseball rolling through Bill Buckner's legs was so perfectly encapsulated in this um, in this moment and what came out of Vin's voice. Um, I have a Vin Scully story, if I can share it. Yeah. Um, I talked to Tom Hodricourt this morning to make sure I got the details right, because in 2016, we went to Dodgers Stadium in June, and it was Vin's last year. And Tom, of course, had covered baseball for a long time. so. He said let's go over and pay our respects to to vin so we go into the the little booth at dodger stadium and he's down there and of course he's he's in person exactly what you would think he is the most gracious elegant classy gentleman in the history of this sport and we say hello and congratulations and i think it was tom who said you know might we take a picture and Vin's getting ready for the game. So he could have been like, guys, it's, it's not a good time. Next, maybe, you know, next time or after the game or said something. Instead, he gets up. He walks over to this wall of hooks on the side, takes his sport coat, puts on his sport coat as we're assembling. And he goes, no, 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 guys, come here. The lighting is better right here. So he, he assembles us at the right spot in the booth to get the it's a tight little space. To get the right picture. And he has his producer take this uh, picture of Mike Vassalo, Carlos Brizuela, Tom Hodgricourt and I. And it's like the most special thing. And um, what an, a cool moment for us to meet this baseball legend. And he couldn't have been nicer. And then instead of saying, OK, goodbye, it's game time. He told us this awesome Johnny Logan story from when the, the Dodgers used to have these battles with the Milwaukee Braves. Uh, and Johnny Logan was always scrapping right in the middle of it. And he told us this incredible story and left us with with awesome memories. So just like a true gentleman and everybody in baseball is really sad today.
1: Tim, what is your like personal connection to Vin Scully? I mean, it's growing up a lot and hearing him because he wasn't just on the Dodgers calls. He was on national calls. He's called some of the biggest moments in baseball history. He called Hank Aaron's record setting home run. He, He has so many connections. What's your tie to him?
0: Well, I think just as any baseball fan, like just his voice, right? It's just a staple. And I think every, it makes everyone sad every time something like that is gone. And um, the baseball world and the world lost a great man. I, and I only got to meet him once. I only got to meet him once. I tweeted out that I was thanking God that my, my career was just good enough <laughs> so I could get a chance to meet Vin Scully, and I did. And, uh, and, and, it was amazing because I think what a lot of times, you know, you always want to know what kind of impact you leave on somebody, right. Or maybe you don't even pay any attention to it whatsoever. Um, what I got from Vin Scully is that, uh, he's a genuine human being. We were on an elevator. I was with the bullpen for the brewers. I think it was 2011. And we always found new and exciting ways to do conditioning, right? <laughs> like you don't just jog, uh, poles all the time or run sprints. And I believe John Axford decided, you know what, guys, we're going to run stadiums at the very, very top of Dodger Stadium. Top of the park. And top of the park. I mean, it's, it's built really strange because you feel like you're going to fall off of it. But anyway, I didn't know that. Never been up there. So I'm like, how do we get up there? And Axford goes, let's run up the stadium. So we just jump the fence. We run through the concourse. We go find some elevator. We get on it. We start going up. And I mean, you got to think about this. Me, LaTroy Hawkins, Cameron Lowe, John Axford. uh, I mean, there's probably like eight of us, nine of us on there. We're all really tall guys. We're all barely fitting on this elevator. The elevator stops before we get to the top, opens up (laughs) Vin Scully standing there. And we just erupt. We're like, no way. And he's just going, oh, hey, boys, you know, blah, 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 getting some running in. And, you know, we're all we're just like in shorts and T-shirts just going. This is the most amazing thing. And he just he he opened his mouth and we all shut up real quick. (laughs) He goes and he and he just said he that he enjoys watching us pitch. He said, you guys do a fantastic job. You're such a joy to watch. And, and we just couldn't get enough of him. I mean, he was such a genuine person, 30 seconds, we saw him for 30 seconds, (laughs) door opens again, he gets off. And we were just like, in awe that we just met this guy. But that's what he does. He impacts. uh, He impacted us in just 30 seconds. And anyway, that's, that's kind of what you're leaving, right? In the big scheme of things, that's what you leave on people is your, is your impact. And, uh, and it was a pretty amazing moment. The best part about that
2: is he probably could have done two minutes on each of you. You know, John Axford, the pride of Ontario, Canada, scouted by the Brewers in a snowstorm in (laughs) two (laughs) thousand and
0: nine. I don't know if he knew my name, but he did throw some out there. He knew Latroy. Um, I think he knew Axford already. Uh, It was it was pretty cool, man. Yeah. Well. Unfortunately, I don't have a personal tie to Vin Scully. It's
1: all just memories of baseball calls, but those are treasured memories. He's the voice of a lot of big moments of my fandom. So rest in peace, Vin. Our sincerest condolences go out to the Scully family, to the Dodgers, the Dodgers fans, and to baseball fans everywhere. But while we want to talk, one of the greatest to do it, we have to move on because there's a lot of Brewers news to discuss. And we go from one great to a legend to a current great in Josh Hader because the Brewers shocked the baseball world when they traded Josh Hader to the San Diego Padres. End up getting Rogers, LeMay, Ruiz, Gasser back in the return. We'll get to that in a second. But first, Tim, what's the impact on trading someone with the history with the track record of success and the talent of Josh Hader, what, do, what does that, how does that hit the clubhouse for the team?
0: You know, you, you, if you're around long enough, you're going to have teammates. You're going to have friends that do get traded and, and it's part of you is kind of happy for them in some ways. And then other parts are like selfish. And you're like, no, we want this guy. <laughs> I like seeing him every day. He is my friend. Um, And on a bigger scale than that, the team, you want a guy that comes in and just puts up a zero every single time he's out there. That's what Josh Hader brings. So I don't know. I think it did shock a little bit because I don't think anybody, I don't think the Brewers had to trade him. I think that may be the reaction that you're getting from a lot of the players in the clubhouse is because they're like, we didn't, the Brewers didn't have to trade him. There wasn't like a deadline coming up where they had to trade this guy because something was going to lead to something. It was Um, And it's not a knock on any of the players other, you know, that are involved, but um, just the shock of just didn't see this coming because it, it wasn't, it didn't need to happen, but I get it. It's tough. It's tough to watch friends go.
1: Well, right. And I think from a outside perspective, what you're looking at is a first place team chain trades away a generational talent, right? Josh Hader, could be the winning like the person who's won the reliever of the year the most since it's become the trevor rosenthal award not that long of a history well, trevor
2: hoffman no offense to trevor rosenthal trevor yeah, yeah,
1: yeah. <laughs> trevor rosenthal's on the brain because he was acquired coming up later sorry trevor hoffman brewer's great thank you adam sure for Hoff catching listens. me there <laughs> not
2: not to jump in and correct. I'm sure. Oh, no, that's a totally that's an important
1: correction. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> it's almost like I'm reading ahead on <laughs> our agenda <laughs> while <laughs> trying to discuss. Uh, but yeah, so he's a you know, three-time Trevor Hoffman, really really award winner. He is a, I believe four-time All-Star. He's one hell of a player and a generational talent in the team's in first place right now. In, you like to have generational talents around uh, we'll talk about whether they got worse or better, but I think that's kind of what the feeling was in the clubhouse right Adam was it was this was just odd for a first place team in the division to make
2: well it and it was and our Sarah Langs you know noted that it had been eight years uh, since the A's and Jonas Cespedes that a first place team traded a an all-star um so it it had been a while and. The clubhouse reaction was really interesting yesterday because it was a little microcosm of what I've seen of the public reaction. And to me, nuance is dead, right? Social media has killed all nuance. So that is the era in which we're absorbing this. But two things can be true. It can be true that this was a smart decision for the Brewers to trade Josh Hader now with a year with, with two Octobers left. For an acquiring team and it can also be true that as a fan you hate this because this city wants a world series the fans who are listening to us if you're a dedicated enough fan that you subscribe to this podcast and you're listening right now you are dying to watch the brewers in a world series and there's a good chance that you've lived a long time and not seen a world series um, or that you remember 82, and it seems a really long time ago because it was. So I think those two things can be true. Um, I think David Stearns did a really good job, a really, really good job, of explaining why this made sense for the Brewers to do. And they got right out in front of it to make that clear. Um, if you go back and look through my gazillion tweets, I tried to share as much of his explanation just so I'm not saying people have to agree with him and agree with what the Brewers did, but I think it's at least worth understanding why they did this. But I also completely understand those who really, really dislike it. And I understand those in the clubhouse who really dislike it. Um, I know we're going to talk about the return. And I think what's being lost, the one thing I'll say is the one thing that's being lost in all of this is that Taylor Rogers is one of the best closers in baseball too. So let's talk about him a little bit more. Um, but but I, I certainly understand why this one hit hard and why a lot of people really hate the idea of a team making a nuanced move in a season at a time of year in which all-in is so much more enjoyable if you're a fan. It is so much more fun to be a Padres fan and watch them just trade everybody and go for it than it is to try to be a Brewers fan and think about this in a logical, nuanced way. That's not fun to do at a trade deadline, and I totally get that.
1: Before we get to the return, I, I want to get a little bit more into the clubhouse reaction because a lot of people reacted to Lee Devin Williams interview where I think it's a mix of he lost his best friend. Right. And then also he's trying to be good to the organization that has drafted him and developed him and chooses words wisely right there's some trepidation in what he's saying there's a, a lot of pickiness but then you look at the other side like you said it's a microcosm what's happening online and christian yelich is saying look what this organization has done for us to this point who am i to question the decisions they make they've gotten us this far why should i ask any questions about what this what the the front office is doing to help this team
2: and and I think my point again would be both can be right. We don't have to, we don't have to sit here and pick sides. I don't think it has to be one or the other. I th- I really think you can be disappointed about this, but also um, understand it and also acknowledge that the batting average of David Stearns and Matt Arnold is is high. So, um, I, it, it will be fascinating to me to go back and revisit. My stories, um, all of these tweets and reaction, listen to this podcast again on like Halloween and, and see what we think then and see how see if it's see who is right. Um, but the Devin Williams uh, reaction was intense. Um, it, you know, t- Tim, you, we were just talking before we even got started. Say, say what you said, because you think he did a good job you, you, or you think his reaction was real and, and you appreciated that.
0: Yeah, I mean, what, what do you want him to say, honestly? Like, what could he have said in that moment? Um, you know, like, hey, you want me to be glad that he's gone? Do you think I'm going to take over the ninth inning now? Like, no. I mean, he lost a friend. He lost a mentor. And he's not going to see him every day. And that hurts. That hurts. Um, and I get it. And the fact that <laughs> the fact that he's not trying to hide that or try to put on some front or make up some words uh, to me is what's awesome. And I think that's why Devin Williams is who he is because he he's not trying to be fake. I mean, you look around, he's one of the most real guys that they have because he's constantly um, putting himself out there in different ways. So I, I, I agree. I, I think he should be disappointed, right? Like <laughs> you're talking about the Buddy Cop movie and they're sitting there going, dude, why'd you get rid of my buddy? Why? Look at all these, you know, there's nothing else you could have done. You come after my throwing partner. That's how, that's how deep it goes for those guys. Uh, when you're a throwing partner, man, that's, that's a big deal. And they were, th- that's what they were for uh, you know several years now. So I don't know. I thought it was real. I, I don't think anybody has to be happy about this. Um, but you do have to know that if, if you don't like it, you gotta, you gotta go to school or whatever and become a GM <laughs> and then you can just, Surround yourself with all your friends if you want, but this is the part of baseball. It's not easy. Now let's let's get into the return.
1: There is one thing that I want to get into as we get into Taylor Rogers, and it's some nerd stats that I think can make this a little bit of an easier pill to swallow. If you look at Josh Hader and Taylor's ERA, they're pretty similar if we just look at the base stats, right? It was 4-2-4 when Josh was traded to Taylor's 4-3-5, they are save off the counting stats are there but if you look at the advanced stats a couple of things a lot you look at is fielder independent p- pitching which is fip Taylor's is at 234 compared to Josh's 347 at the time of the trade Taylor Rogers ERA plus which is a weighting of ERA performance and park factor was at 87 and Josh's was at 97 we are talking like if you're going to get anyone who Compares to Josh Hader, Taylor Rogers is probably one of the best pitchers to compare to Josh Hader in terms of success, nastiness, and just, yeah, he's had a rough go of it as a while, or in recent weeks, but just if you're looking for a guy as reliable as Josh Hader, this is probably the guy, Tim.
0: Yeah, I mean, if you had to sit there and put together a guy that's almost exactly like Josh Hader, but not, this is him. This is him and probably the only one in all of baseball, um, except he's three years older than Josh Hader. But that's it. I think everything else is pretty, you know, pretty online. And you know what? What do the Brewers do? They take anybody, any good pitcher, any bad pitcher, doesn't matter. And they make them better. That's just what they do. So are we going to see a, a a better Rogers? Maybe. I mean, that's hard to say because he does have, you know, what, 28 saves. That's pretty good. Second in all of baseball. But I don't know. I, it's amazing that the brewers were able to kind of pull this off in that way. Like, how do we replace this guy? Well, let's see if we can get the guy that most resembles everything that he's done and we'll bring that guy here. I don't know if he's cheaper. I don't know if the contract stuff, I don't know how all that kind of stuff works, but, um, I mean, honestly on paper, that's a, it's a really good move. Um, I don't know. I just, going to kind of miss watching Josh Hader run out there though.
2: The, the big thing, the big difference is that Rogers is a free agent after the season. That that's one. Um, but you're right. The, 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 the stuff, the the look minus the long hair, the way the season has gone, the way July was tough. Rogers had just been removed, kind of given a break from the closer role in San Diego. And they were kind of going by committee a little bit, but we talked to him yesterday and I'll, I'll write some of this. Um, he had a deep dive with some of their analytical people in San Diego right before he left and kind of was given assurances on some of the deep stats, Brad, that you're mentioning that there are not there. Were, the Padres did not believe there were, was a need for major changes and overhaul. It was just a bad stretch that good pitchers go through, including like Josh Hader was going through. So I think that gave Rodgers a little bit of um of mind, And it also made it really surprising for him when he got dealt. I almost felt for him a little bit um, on Tuesday in Pittsburgh because he was he was very shell shocked by the fact he got traded. He did not expect he got traded in April from the Twins of the Padres and he did not see getting traded again. So it was a big surprise. And he comes into this clubhouse where everybody's shell shocked about Josh Hader being gone. And the whole conversation is about Josh Hader being gone. So that put Taylor Rogers in a tough spot. Um, he, he is a really good pitcher, and I think how he performs is going to say a lot about um, what this trade you know, reads out as. And the other thing, I, I would just add another thing about the, the fan reaction. I very much understand when people look at the return, like these two prospects could be really good. The Brewers love Robert Gasser, the left-handed pitcher. They wanted to draft him, and the Padres drafted him. Um, so he's a guy that ha- has been on the Brewers' radar for a long time and is a, is a great prospect. And Ruiz, the outfielder, I-, I would put my money on him wearing a Brewers' uniform at some point this season, just looking at their center field depth the rest of the way. So I think we're going to see him. Um, but I think part of this su- surprise element of this is, like, the Brewers needed a bat. And may- we'll talk about this wh- whenever you want, Brad, but the fact that there wasn't a bat in the trade that was, like, a notable addition to the major league team for now. I think that's part of the re- why the reaction has been strong. That that was surprising and I think people probably thought, oh, that'll be part of a second move and then it wasn't. So I think that's that's part of what's fueling kind of the, the reaction now. So anyway, that's a long way of saying, <laughs> of getting from, I would say, Taylor Rogers is really good and don't, you can be disappointed about Josh Hader because he was like the best, but but Taylor Rogers could be very, very good.
1: Yeah. Um we will get to specifically the Brewers not acquiring a bat and dedicate a lot of time. First, we want to talk about the Josh Hader trade. So anyone looking for us to talk about a bat, thinking, why haven't these guys mentioned it? Trust us, we're going to talk about it. It's just going to come in a little bit because this was such a big trade. And like you said, it's been eight years since a team made a trade like this where they traded an all-star and were in first place. So we'll get to the bat but a little bit more focus on some of the players who
2: sorry i'll stay focused i'm i'm (laughs) no
1: you're good i'm going to do a speed round on ruiz and gasser just because i want to make sure we have time before this break to talk about rosenthal and bush so ruiz for those who aren't aware with him kind of a prospect who fell who was pretty highly ranked but fell off the marks and I think the good thing you look at with him is he spent the offseason working on his swing and ensuring that his approach at the plate uh, limited the amount he chased outside the zone. And this season he's seen very, very good results to the point where he's skyrocketing up a lot of charts. He went from unranked to 8th, I believe, on the Padres' Baseball America rankings. Uh, he went from like 28th on the Padres' list, but they haven't done the midseason re-ranks. <laughs> yeah, thing, he was no, going to be top ninth, 10. I believe, on our list. He was going to be top 10. Yeah. So Adam, Adam has those connections, so he knew he was going to be top 10. And then Gasser, who was right in front of him on that pipeline list, or on our pipeline list at eight, again, a left-handed pitcher with five ranked as above-average pitches who the team was excited about. And you look what the team has done historically with those second, third, fourth-round picks, you're looking at a, a pretty good track record of success there. So if they're excited about a pitcher and it's a pitcher they wanted, um, even if he's 23 in high A, it's someone who I'm willing to be a little excited about because I trust this organization when it comes to developing pitchers. Um, so two guys who I think prospect nerds can get excited about. But again, to, to back up Adam, I think what was hard is you've seen things like the Andrew Miller trades in recent years. You've seen things like the uh, Roldish Chapman trade, and those have resulted in significant top 100 prospects. And I think from a fan perspective, to not get a top 100 prospect from a system that has a wealth of them hit a little hard when it came to that return. But I think part of that is the Padres likely did not want to trade Rodgers. So there was the tit for tat. So really, in their mind, you're trading for a year, Josh Hader, because it's probably close to a wash there. So then that limits the prospect return. And I think Ruiz probably on a lot of internal lists and not prospect lists is higher than fans want to give him credit for.
2: Yeah, you. I think you nailed it. I was just going to follow up and say you nailed it with if you wanted a top 100 prospect, fine. But then it's a Josh Hader for prospect. Right? And instead, it was a Josh Hader for Taylor Rogers to replace him. And, and you know, Lamed is a wild card and prospect. So That that's the difference. So I'm maybe there were different packages that they looked at, but I think the Brewers did not want to do a Josh Hader for prospects trade, because they legitimately are trying to win this
1: division and go to the postseason again. And it was shown that they definitely want to improve their reliever core, because they go out they get Matt Bush, who is one of the most interesting stories in baseball, and we do not have enough time to dissect on this podcast. And then Trevor Rosenthal, who is one of the most interesting stories in just this season in terms of his attempted comeback, and we do not have time to fully dissect that on this podcast. Uh, Adam, when you see them going out and getting a bunch of hard-throwing, uh, successful relievers, kind of what's your takeaway from that? I mean, obviously, I think anyone who's watched the team in the last month or so saw that middle relief is something that could use some improvement.
2: Yeah, to me, I see risk, like red l- r- r- blinking red light risk but also like super high reward because Matt Bush has been in David Stern's eye. He told us Matt Bush was arguably the best arm that changed hands. Um, Now Josh Hader changed hands. So I don't know, maybe he meant like right hander or something like that, but just in terms of like the electricity of the stuff was one of the top arms that was going to get dealt in this deadline. And and that's why he was a target um, for the Brewers and then uh, Trevor Rosenthal is rehabbing a hamstring injury. He's not going to be until later August. Um, so there's huge risk there because he hasn't pitched since 2020. And I think the surprise there is Tristan Peters, the prospect that went in that trade, was pretty highly regarded hitter who was at Wisconsin and just got moved up to Biloxi. And he was traded for an arm that was a free agent two weeks ago. So that's the, kind of the puzzling part of that one. But if these guys hit, you're talking about having a pretty, I mean, not a pretty monster bullpen, like an all-time monster bullpen, in terms of guys with big, huge arms, tons of guys with closing experience. When you think about Williams, Rogers, Boxberger, and Rosenthal, um, and Gott, really Trevor Gott. So some really, I mean, the, the chance to have like an all-time bullpen if those guys hit. But look, last year was the example that you, you with relievers and these two month gets, you just don't know. Um, And it did not work for the Brewers last year. So this year they threw a lot more options up there and they hope that a couple of these guys, you know, hit big and
0: then you've got a really killer bullpen. I think that's exactly what they did. They went to go get, they wanted to stockpile and they don't need everybody to pan out. They just need a couple of them. But if you only go get a couple, then you're really counting on them. So to pick up these big arms and just hope that a few guys can figure it out, out in the bullpen and, and, you know, high profile innings, that's going to be a plus and you need, you need pitching and you need zeros. This team, the brewers, they need zeros probably more than most teams in baseball. Um, but I, I think it's interesting, uh, Matt Bush, we were throwing partners for the Rangers <laughs> for a spring training or so. Um, and you know, you start looking at just the, all of this stuff. We talk about everybody like there's, you know, commodities, like, Hey, we trade this guy for this guy for this guy, but they're humans too. You know, this is, this is a tough thing when a guy has to go through a trade, right? Um, it could be a good thing or a bad thing. If there's a team that goes out and gets a whole bunch of different pieces that they're throwing around in the clubhouse, that could be bad for a clubhouse, a clubhouse that's used to having things a certain way. And then all of a sudden, boom, there's all these new guys. Um, I think the Brewers took that into account when they said, you know what, we're not going to go make a whole bunch of big name trades and do all this stuff because they don't want to disrupt everything going on in that clubhouse because that's that's one of the best clubhouses out there is the Milwaukee Brewers. So just, uh, props to Stearns and Matt Arnold for not trying to do too big of a splash and disrupt everything, but just adding some good key puzzle pieces kind of on the fringe uh, that kind of complete the whole picture.
2: Tim, can you tell us about – Matt Bush, the guy, because I think that's one uh, another question that's emerged from this. People know his his backstory as a big prospect then trouble with the law, then time in prison for his you know, his role in, a, in, an, in an accident where a pedestrian was hit. Um, and it, what I've heard is that he's really kind of pieced his life back together and is in a really good place.
0: Yeah, he you can Google his past. I'm sure um, it's out there. Uh, I was actually in rookie ball. I believe. Yeah. When he signed, we, we signed the same year, I think 2003, and he was a shortstop, I believe for the Padres. Um, and you know, kind of made the transition to pitching, but yeah, he's had a, he's had a tough life, you know, in a lot of ways and he doesn't shy away from it. Um, he's a very calm individual. I think the things that he's gone through has kind of made him very, very calm in a lot of ways. And I think when he does get amped up, he saves all of that for the mound. Um, he flips a switch. He goes out there (laughs) and gives everything he has. That's why he has battled some injuries because he's kind of a max effort type guy when he gets out there, but he's, he's, he's a kind individual. I, I can't vouch for everything that he's gone through and what he's put other people through maybe, but I can vouch for how he treats his teammates. Um, and he's, he's a very thoughtful person. Um, and I, I think what's interesting is he doesn't try to shy away or try to cover up his past, um, he knows it's there and he's, you know, owns up to it in that way. So, I mean, he's a very intriguing individual, um, but I think he's very authentic. All right, guys, we need to take a break. As we said, unpacking
1: Hader and the trade and the return that came back for that and the redevelopment of the bullpen. It's a lot, but when we come back, we're talking about the, the other side that everyone's talking about and the Brewers not acquiring a bat and also the big acquisition that the Brewers didn't have to pay for, coming up. Alright, welcome back. If you're online and you're a Brewers fan, you know that every single fan, and normally this is a Twitter problem, but this was because normally I talk about what fans are saying, and Adam says, Brad, get off Twitter. <laughs> you spent too as, much
2: time on there.
1: As a guy who had to manage Facebook and Instagram and TikTok, let me tell you, this was an everywhere problem. <laughs> um, and it's that fans are pretty upset that the team didn't go out and acquire a bat. And I think a lot of that stems from looking at this roster and seeing, aside from Andrew McCutcheon and Hunter Renfro, Uh, but you see a very similar roster to the one that struggled to score runs in Atlanta. And that leads to fans having anxiety that if this team didn't get a bat, is this going to be another early exit for the, from the playoffs for the Brewers. So Adam, in your role, were you surprised that the Brewers didn't go out and add a bat?
2: Extremely. Um, And it was the one of the first questions for David Stearns after the deadline Uh, passed and he said they they were in lots of talks and it was um, some players who were traded some who weren't and I think the latter category was particularly interesting because there were probably more hitters than expected that didn't move that that I think the brewers and other clubs expected to move and I think that was one of the notable storylines of this deadline and whether you know look it, it we don't know what the offers were um so it's, it's really hard to analyze things like that. The The brewers didn't find a deal that they liked. And, um, you know, again, I think this all in mentality tells you, well, that's not an acceptable answer. Pay whatever, you know, the, the Padres did what it took to get Juan Soto do what it takes to get whichever bat was on your list, Ramon Laureano or whoever was the guy that you wanted. Um, but it didn't happen. And sometimes that's because the team just opted to hang out to a guy like Ramon Laureano in the A's case because he's got more club control and you can choose to trade him at a, at a time where you feel like you're going to get better offers. So I think it was as far as David Stearns put it, uh, it was not for lack of effort that they did not augment the office. He also did say the way their offense is built, it's a pretty balanced group. They like the balance of their group. They like the rate at which they're I mean, they're scoring runs at a pretty good rate. Um I think they feel like their offense is better than it gets credit for, and they were not going to get into the area of the at the frenzy of the deadline making a move just to make a move. And I think that all led up to not adding a bat yesterday.
1: And I think historically you look at David and Matt's track record with transactions, and they generally pay the price they want. And when looking at the players who didn't get traded, it sure seemed like organizations – Weren't really bound, like budging on cost. You look at the Cubs kept Wilson Contreras, who has half a year of control left, and a lot of teams wanted, but obviously they had a set cost in mind, and they weren't budging from having a team pay that cost. So I I wonder, being an outsider who can only speculate and only you know take at face value the things that we're told. Um, I wonder how much of that was a factor, especially looking in if they were waiting for some of these more affordable pieces to kind of drop in price. And the price just never dropped and they were waiting to play the market and it just never changed because it was an odd trade line in that deadline in that way. Um, Tim, when you're looking at it from a broadcaster's perspective, a guy who looks at the team all the time do you feel that they need to add a bat at this deadline or do you kind of trust what the organization says that th- this offense can get it done?
0: I mean, all honesty, when you start talking about trades, just, to, just in general, <clears throat> you're almost implying that the people that you have are not good enough. We need somebody else. Right. And as a player, that's kind of offensive a little bit. And so I think this goes two ways. I think everybody was saying, all oh, the Brewers are going to get a big bat. So you look at the guys that are in the lineup every day and they're like, is it going to be me? Are they getting rid of me to bring another me to do a better job than me? Like that's that's kind of, you know, I don't want that. So by them not going and getting a bat, it's a, a, just a huge weight of confidence on every single guy in that clubhouse saying, you know what, we want you to be out there and to get the job done because we trust you. And that right there it can do much better as much for a player as a one player can do for a team uh, by going and getting somebody like that, just right there as a player. Hey, we have confidence in you. We enjoy what you're doing. We know you're going to deliver. Um, I think it makes a team better. You know, I think the team got better by honestly not going and getting a guy. Cause if you go and make a big splash and you bring a brand new guy and you drop him right in the middle of the, the lineup and you expect him to do whatever he's, you know, there to do drive in runs Um, You start, that's a ripple effect. You know, guys start batting in different spots. Maybe they don't produce like they're supposed to. Um, It just, I don't know. I I think my my gut as a baseball player is just not as a broadcaster because I haven't been doing that very long. I don't know what I'm supposed to be doing as a broadcaster. But I will say that I think the team's going to be better because of it. I think they're going to come together. I think they're going to get through, you know, losing Josh Hader. And at the end of it, they're going to be like, you know what? We don't need a bat because we have all the bats we need. And honestly, some of these guys are getting it done. Well, I was just
2: going to say that because that is, you know, if you look at the the, since the All-Star break, the offense has been terrific Um, and they have hit home runs with runners on base, which just means they've been giving themselves a lot of base runners um, since the break. And I think that's really encouraging. As we sit here, they're tied for sixth in runs per game, 4.63 runs per game. Yankees, Dodgers, Blue Jays, Braves, Mets, Brewers. Um, So it's like and people say, oh, well, that's skewed by, you know, 18 runs in a game here and there. Well, that's that's true for all those teams. I mean, the Blue Jays scored 25 runs in Boston or whatever it was. So um, th- they're scoring runs. I just think that I-, I understand when you can look kind of position by position and see spots where a bat on the edges would have been helpful. And I think that's what I'm surprised they didn't get. I'm not surprised they didn't get Juan Soto. I'm surprised they didn't get uh, Curtis Granderson, to-, to borrow the 2019 example. Um, somebody to-, to augment out there in the outfield. And who can play center and, and help out if needed. So that's what surprises me. And and look, I, you know, I, again, I just want to make clear that we are we're not being like elitist here and saying that anybody who complains on social media is wrong. I, I you're I totally get being up, you know, being upset that that if your team didn't do everything that you felt was humanly possible to, to add where they could possibly add. Um, so I get it. I, I tried to, like, be lighthearted last night. They hit three homers in the sixth, and I noted that and said, and you people wanted a bat. Like, obviously, I'm joking.
1: Yeah, and then what happened, Adam? You were just set up to – you set yourself up so hard. that Yesterday's on Adam. Oh,
2: <laughs> gobsmacked by the number of people who thought that was, like, serious. And, oh, this is going to come back to bite you later. And, I mean, it's funny, but it's also like, oh, my God, it's a little scary that people – you know, But but look – we are all in this industry. The the players get paid. Um, We have jobs because people care so much and take it so seriously uh, and want so badly uh, to see this team win a championship. So I get, I get all that. Um, But I I do just want to note that it's not, you know, we're not talking about the 28th ranked offense in baseball. We're talking about adding where you could have added to help a team score more runs.
1: Right. And like, I don't know that I ever expected like a starter to go. I was looking like I kind of expected based on the things that David had said previously, because he gets to be the face of these conversations. Like I was expecting like maybe like a platoon bet, maybe, you know, a lefty to partner with Tyrone while Tyrone, uh, you know, gets going again. Uh, something along those lines. Um,
2: well, the spiciest thing from yesterday um, our chat with David because we, I, you know, obviously we asked him about bats and, and why didn't they go get anybody and um, I asked, you know, what do you at center field? That's the one area where you kind of think if you you got Taylor and Davis, like, what's your what's Plan C? And I thought it was pretty spicy when he said, you know, we've got all these top prospects now at Triple A. They 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 added four uh, top ten organizational prospects if you count Ruiz in the trade. Uh, plus what, Freelich, Weimer, and Garrett Mitchell are all at AAA now. I thought that was a little spicy that David Stern says, that's the pool of players with Ruiz. And I would probably put Bryce Terang in there because he's played center field, Um, guys that they think could help down the stretch. So who knows? You know, that's talk about wild card, a guy uh, with no, well, Ruiz has a little taste of the bigs, but uh, you know, guys that would be in their big league debut, but our, Super talented. So, I, I don't know. I th- that was kind of one of the things that almost got lost a little bit yesterday, I think, in the deadline.
0: Well, we all we oftentimes think that there's just big leaguers and the minor leaguers are minor leaguers. Uh, but there's guys that are really good in the minor leagues. This Ruiz guy steals tons of bases. He's got like 60 bases this year. He's only been caught like nine times. So, I mean, you're talking about a guy that can go get called nine up. In, in Nine times? Is that what I, how I said it? No, that's um... – <laughs> Sorry. Did I get it wrong? No, Ferris Bueller. Nine no. times, nine Ed. Nine times? Yeah, nine my bad. Nine times. Uh, you pulled it on me. I didn't even catch that. I was trying to get in a serious thought. Sorry, about sorry. Th- okay, I'm guy. messing
2: up this podcast.
0: I know. Oh, can we just start over? <laughs> no, uh, but he, but that's the thing. They have a bunch of guys that can probably impact players. And what you're doing is you're going, it's almost like, hey, guys, whoever's the best is going to get called up. Like That's how you kind of have to feel in the minor leagues right now. Be like, hey, I, everyone has a chance. You know, everyone has a chance. Somebody gets hurt or something happens or they just want to make a change. You got to be ready. But if they go get a whole bunch of big leaguers, then you just start, you know, stacking up on top of the minor leaguers. So I think I think what David Stearns has decided to do is kind of create a, some optimism in the air at the big league level and the minor league level.
2: Brad, if uh, Johnny Davis crashes into a wall and has to miss a little time, who's the first guy up of that group as, as the resident prospect expert?
0: Uh
1: I personally say Sal. Ooh, because really? he I mean he already went had 3 hits yesterday. Yeah. He <laughs> started his career with a double. Um but I just say he has a lot of impact and then also uh being from the left side is interesting. I know your prediction is Bryce Terang. Yeah. But uh I, I see them kind of doing a Grisham thing, which Grisham came up in August of 2019, made the playoff roster, uh, had some meaningful at-bats for this team, and uh, what was a big impact down the stretch. So I, I could see them doing something along those lines where one of these players, and I get why if you think these players can contribute and be positive additions in the or right before the playoffs, I can see why you don't want to deal from that pool just to get someone who is already doing that in the big leagues, but has less control.
2: Yeah, I said Terang. I said Terang in part because I, I've heard a rumor that the Brewers like players with positional versatility.
1: <laughs> <laughs> oh, where where'd you hear that? Yeah, just the past six My deep, my
2: deep, <laughs> my deep uh, experience covering baseball tells me
1: that. Uh, so the Brewers didn't add a bat, but they get. One more huge pitching addition, and it's a guy who's been on the IL for most of the season, had and is, was expected to be a major factor to this team's success on the mound. I believe Adam picked him to be the standout pitcher earlier in the <laughs> season, which cursed his season.
2: Oh, sorry, I do that all the time.
1: But it's Freddie Peralta, <laughs> Tim. How substantial is the return of the three-headed monster in Peralta, Burns, and Woodruff? No offense to Eric Lauer, who definitely deserves to be in that, and Ashby, who's making his way to be part of that. But, you know, the original big three was those three. How huge is the return of Freddie?
0: I think anytime you can throw a a proven starting pitcher on the mound, you just feel really good. It, It just, as a player behind A guy like that you just you know his intensity his focus is going to be there and it elevates your game a little bit I got to watch Freddie pitch Friday in AAA here in Nashville where I'm at and uh, and that's what I got he's just he's intense he's focused and when he channels that into the zone it is it's frightening Um, and I think he's ready to go I was actually very surprised on on how far along he is it's just proving that the Brewers have continually been over careful with guys. Um, and I think you're going to, I don't know what his pitch count's going to be per se. I'm sure they are already going to, you know, say that Adam may already know what his pitch count is, but, um, I mean, he looked, he looked ready. He looked strong and he looked like he could have kept going in the game, even though they took him out, I think after 52 pitches. Um, but I, I, his pace was good. All the stuff that you look for when you're going, okay, is this guy ready? Uh, you can't always just judge it on the radar gun. You have to see all the ins and outs. Can he field his position? Is he holding runners? Is he quick to the plate and making his pitches? All that stuff was there. He looked like a big leaguer that just happened to be visiting in town <laughs> uh, to go and, and pitch off a triple-A mound. So that, I, I'm looking forward to watching him go again out there.
2: Well, I usually think of starters building back up, and Tim, you know this as you're getting ready for seasons as a starter, kind of 15-pitch blocks. So if he was 52 pitches in his last rehab start, You give them, you know, 65, 70, 75 pitches, probably depending on how the game goes, and then continue to build up from there. And this is earlier than expected. We talked to Freddie, um, who's really excited to be back and has been feeling um, better, faster than probably anyone thought. And, And the stuff was there to the point where they thought, let's finish this build up in the big leagues.
1: Well, it's going to be huge having him back, I think.
2: But I also learned, Brad, that one of the things people hate on. So I learned so many social media lessons this week. <laughs> when people are at their angriest is when you really learn. People hate the idea of like, oh, this is just as good as a pickup. Like that's one of those tropes at trade deadline time that drive people crazy. So um, don't don't phrase it like
0: that. No. Well, if they traded for uh, a... Well, this is
1: just as good as a trade because you're getting a player who should have been a Cy Young finalist last year back in the rotation. This is like trading for Carlos Rodon. Uh this you're, is They're going to hate this. <laughs> yeah, they're going to hate this, but look, I I have some emotions about the trade deadline too, but I'm excited for Freddie to be back. And if this is what I need to say to myself to be to, like excited for Freddie to be back. Go for it. <laughs> uh, actually, I'm just, I'm just excited for Freddie to be back. He's just so much fun to have in the clubhouse for starters. Like that guy is always smiling. I, I think that guy could get hit by a bus and then he'd run to him and he'd be smiling. Like he, he just cannot get the smile off his face except for when he's on the mound. And that's. He's such a fun presence to be around in the clubhouse, uh, on the field. He's always laughing. He's giggling. And he he just brings a good energy. And then when he's pitching well, which he looked like he was pitching well in Nashville, uh, based on his success, he is just an amazing pitcher and a, a joy to watch. You have all the, for lack of a better term, herky-jerky movements on the mound with his mile-high leg kick, the uh, like stretch towards the mound that's a foot longer than him. He's just a joy to watch, and I'm excited about it. And it's one of my positives. I can't wait. Well, we need to take another break. When we come back, we're dishing out our stat of the week. Stay tuned. All right, guys, we're back. It's time for our rapid round, which, since we all are born with the gift of gab, is never that rapid. But we're going to start out with State of the Week. And normally I pass it to Adam or Tim, but I'm taking the first State of the Week. And it is three, because our friend Tim Dillard became just the third player in Nashville Sounds history to have their jersey retired. And I... Adam may have been talking about this earlier. And I made him stop know, because it was so my start week and he was stepping this. all over <laughs> yeah, my thing. Been, I've been <laughs> sitting here like too excited to talk about this. But uh, our friend, we are so proud of you. You had, you know, between the Brewers and your connection to other organizations, a long career with the uh, Nashville Sounds. And it's great to see their appreciation for you and its respect that you deserve. We... Could not be more proud of your accomplishment, uh, Adam. I know you have some nice things to say as well.
2: Yeah, well, I just want when Tim, when when your mayoral tenure begins in Nashville, um, I, can can you reserve a stool for me at Robert's Western World or Tootsie's, like, sure, just like a permanent spot.
0: Is that where you buy one pair of boots? You buy one pair of boots, you get two pair of boots free. Uh,
2: yeah, and then Tootsie's, I like to. Um, yeah. Yeah. Also wear my boots and have a cold one. <laughs>
0: Oh, that's awesome! Yeah, I appreciate it, guys. I, I, I it was a it was a fun time. Um, I that's why I got this jersey on the wall behind me. I hope hopefully y'all can see that. I made sure you could on the on the on the call here. Um, yeah, it was an amazing night. Got a bobblehead through the first pitch out to my kid. Um, it's a pretty pretty cool moment. I, I I'm kind of taken back why so many people wanted to come and celebrate me, but it was a very humbling experience. So, did. Um, it- you're on a wall with Don Mattingly. Don Ma- yeah, I know. <laughs> that, that, yeah, because that's synonymous, me and him. No, he played four months, I think, for the Nashville Sounds. Took me nine years to get up there. So, <laughs> like, yeah, it ain't coming down easy. Yeah, that's. I'm going to go by and visit and take pictures with that little plaque. Uh, no, it's, it's, it's pretty cool. Yeah.
2: Was there pressure on that first pitch?
0: There was. There was. My son, he's... 13 and we we even practiced in the yard a little bit um and you know he he keeps things pretty close to the chest he didn't try to you know he he acts like everything's cool and calm but we asked him uh the next day after the first pitch we were like were you nervous he was like yeah (laughs) 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 like 10,000 people there it's like here catch this ball I cut it a little bit that's my fault um it was catchable but yeah it wasn't uh, the, it wasn't a completed catch, but it was it was still awesome. It it wasn't even about catching it. It was just the fact that I got to be on the field with him, and my other two were playing umpire behind him. So, <laughs> it, was, uh, it was a it was pretty amazing moment. The vibe down there pretty good. Oh, always. I mean,
2: like it's they're drawing
0: huge crowds, and now they have all these prospects. Yeah, they draw better than anyone in all of minor league baseball. Uh, they put on a fantastic show. Those games are like two hour, two and a half hours, right? Like two hours, forty five minutes. Um, I was on the radio and on the sixth inning. And then suddenly I felt like the game was over. I was like, what happened? There's fireworks and everyone got a bobblehead and I signed as many as I could. But like, I I couldn't believe how how awesome of a production that the sounds continue to do because it was good when I was there in 2019. I was like, this has got to be the best place in the minor leagues. And they find new and amazing ways to just make it better um i'm not sure what any of this has to do with stat of the week brad but thank you <laughs> the stat of the week is you deserve recognition yeah. and you're one of three
1: players who've had that honor and we're just proud of you and unfortunately i wanted to mention it at the top of the show but i felt like we shouldn't go from the passing of an mlb icon to celebrating your success i thought that'd be in bad taste it
0: would have so here we are good decision Yeah. Uh, And also, you brought bobbleheads back for us, right? Yeah, I do. Actually, they're in my suitcase. I'm coming back here in a few days. Yeah. Sweet. I'm so excited for that. All right, Adam, let's get back to baseball. What's your stat of the week?
2: To irritate Mike Vassallo, our friend Mike Vassallo, the Brewers, um, uh, well, PR guy. I don't know what his his exact title escapes me. but
1: Uh, Senior uh, Director of Media Relations.
2: Senior Director of Media Relations, Mike (laughs) Vassallo. My stat of the week is 1.3, which is the wins above replacement by Fangrass, which is a pretty good measure of um, Taylor Rodgers. And war is not, per- this is what I always tell Mike whenever this comes up and he starts to go and beat the desk because he hates war so much. It's not perfect. I'm not saying it's perfect. I'm not saying it's the ultimate measure of a player. I'm not saying it's the best stat. It's a stat and it's a way to measure players. Generally, relative to other players, so Taylor Rogers 1.3 wins above replacement, uh, Josh Hader .6. Just for reference, I'm not saying Taylor Rogers is better than Josh Hader or anything like that. I just think it's an interesting reference point to remind ourselves that Taylor Rogers is not not some bum. He is a really, really good closer. And I think back to when the Brewers went to San Diego and Craig Council was talking about how similar the teams were in a way, in that you better get a lead going into the seventh inning because it's a short game out there when Rodgers and the Padres were at their best. So getting him back to his form, just like the Padres are trying to get Hayter back to his form, is going to tell a lot more about what this trade looks like in in a couple of months.
0: Well, just to comment on that just for 10 seconds. Sorry, Ezra, for taking too long. But I do want to say that it's not like any of these trades were just thought up automatically like, oh, let's just do this. No, when teams travel, they are looking at other players throughout the season. So you know that the Brewers staff had a conversation about Rogers back when they were playing in San Diego. That You know that. You know they were looking at stuff. They're measuring everything they need to measure. you got advanced scouts. None of this stuff was done um, emotionally, right? Like just, okay, we're just going to do this and sign here. And, you know, I don't know if there's a document they sign or I don't know how trades work in that way. But – there was a lot of stuff behind the scenes that led to that. It's not like they just said, okay, let's go for it. Um, they know what they're getting uh, in Taylor Rogers. That's all I wanted to say about that. All right, Tim, stat of the week. Stat of the week. Hit us with it. <laughs> yeah, you forgot me one yeah, one week. I forgot what week. Um, my stat is going to be one, two, B2. That doesn't make any sense, but one, two, B2. The Brewers, Renfro. He needs one home run for the Brewers to have three players to have twenty plus home runs. There's only one team yep. that has that right now, and that is the Yankees. Was, that's
2: an that's a that's an easier trivia question.
0: I like that. <laughs> so when you start talking about power, the Brewers have it in bunches. They got power. And it's fun to watch of the two people to be racing
1: for the home run leaderboard, I'm not sure Willie would have been on my bet. Rowdy probably would have been up there in my in my pool of players. But I don't know if Willie and Rowdy going toe-to-toe and hitting 21 and 21 in the same day would have been something I expected four months ago. All right, we're going to end it uh, with favorite hater moment. Tim, I know you just talked, but I'm going to go back to you because you shared locker space with the guy, basically. What's your favorite hater moment?
0: Yeah, my, my favorite hater moment is actually on film. It was, uh, <laughs> it was football giveaway night in AAA in 2000-something um and they gave away like little nerf knockoff you know foam footballs so what do you think happened in the clubhouse everyone got one and just threw and hit everybody uh and hater got yeah we were locker mates but he got hit one time you could just tell he wasn't he wasn't in on it like he got hit and he wasn't looking he was just like all right that's enough you know a couple guys were like you know no more of this so we kind of made i made a fun video of just you know guys walking around with food and somebody would throw the football and knock the food out of their hand. <laughs> and, you know, some of it was staged. Some of it wasn't. Um, we hit a couple of bat boys. We hit uh, one of the drug testing guys. <laughs> he was a good sport. Well, he was there like all the time, right? Because I think the the company is out of Colorado Springs where we were. Uh, but at the end of the video, as I'm filming, someone goes, hey, I'm going to hit Josh Hader. And I was like, dude, he's playing ping pong. Like, don't mess with him. And uh, so someone threw it and hit him and he turned around livid and he thought I did it. <laughs> he he reared back and he whizzed that thing and it lit me up, but I was laughing so hard I was crying. Uh, but anyway, I'm, I'm not even sure where that video is. I need to find it. But yeah, football giveaway night, probably 2000, whatever, 16 or 17. <laughs> All right. Adam, favorite hater
1: moment.
2: Well. I'm going to pick the obvious one because sometimes the obvious one is the right one. 2018 um, tiebreaker game at Wrigley Field was this incredible day. Nobody had slept. It was noon, a noon game. Jeremy Jeffers was unavailable, which none of us knew up in the press box at the time. And Josh Hader closed out that game um, after the Cubs had really owned the division for a long time. That was As special a victory as I've ever witnessed, Um, that's on a very, very short list with stuff like the 08 finale in terms of just the emotion in the room uh, for the players after winning that game. And and Josh Hader played a big part in it. And and as David Stearns said, you know, there have been playoff moments that are on people's mind for Josh Hader that didn't go his way. But there have also been a ton of moments that did go his way. And those are the ones that David Stearns wants Hader to be remembered for.
1: Mine has to be it took 24 years but the brewers got a second no-hitter and Josh Hader was on the butt end of that closing it out with Corbin Burns and you know I know they were best friends so it was great to see them do that together with Omar Narvaez of course um but the two on the mound you know a couple of best friends closing that out and getting the no-hitter the second no-hitter in franchise history um, and in my first year of working with the team that was a pretty special uh, moment to me and i'll i'll always remember that additionally my first ever champagne shower there's one player who poured an entire bottle of champagne on my head it was Josh Hader. <laughs> so I, I got a couple in there but that's all the time we have we talked a lot and uh a lot to break down this week so we'll uh, come back next week hopefully uh tim dillard's number has been retired by four more mm-hmm. minor league affiliates Brevard county man it's going to be next. great most <laughs> well, most of them don't even <laughs> exist
0: anymore, <Brad>.
1: <laughs> <laughs> all right thank you all for listening don't forget to follow our host you can find tim dillard at dim on twitter instagram and watch him on the bally's sports wisconsin pre and post game show find adam mccalvey at adam McAlvey on twitter instagram and facebook read his amazing work at brewers.com of course follow us at brewers on instagram twitter and tiktok we will see you next week.